It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome to the newest edition of the Giants huddle podcast. John Schmoke with you. We continue our preview of the NFL draft with Sean O'Hara and David Deal. But first, a reminder, you can find the Giants Huddle Podcast on the Giants Podcast Network, presented by Investors Bank at Giants.com slash podcast on the Giants mobile app and on your favorite podcast platforms. And today we are going to take a look at some of the skill position players, quarterbacks, running backs, and tight ends. And Dave, these are not necessarily three positions of great need for the Giants, given what's on their roster, but you never know when a team wants to reinforce one of these groups in the mid-rounds. No, I mean, you obviously are doing everything you can to bolster your roster at every single position, not only with your starters, but we know how much experience and depth means to a football team, especially down the stretch of what's going to be now a 17-game season. So it's really exciting to get here and to get breakdowns of, of the future prospects of the NFL and who are going to be the future prospects of this Giants football team that are going to help change, continue to change the culture into a championship one. Yeah, 100%, Dave. And the Giants obviously not taking a quarterback in the first round. They're committed to Daniel Jones after his first two years in the league. But first-round quarterbacks matter to the Giants because it might determine who gets pushed down to them at pick number 11. So, Dave, you do all these national shows on Sirius. You know it's the big topic of conversation. How many quarterbacks do you think go off the board in the top 10? And a bonus question for you. Will one of those quarterbacks be on a trade-up for somebody moving into the top 10? Ah, these are the things that you love, the anticipation, the questioning, what's really going to take place. And, you know, I know you're like myself. We're all about breaking down prospects with our notebooks here and going through. So for me, within the top 10, the way that I look at it, Jacksonville, they're pretty much locked into Trevor Lawrence. We already hear that they're having Zoom calls going through the playbook, just like we saw with Cincinnati last year with with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. So I I think that's a clear-cut one. New York Jets, they figure out that they're going to solve the problem with Zach Wilson. I think at this point, if they were to try to change the perception and to go someplace with Justin Fields or with the Trey Lance, I don't think that they would get the exception of Jets fans and the overall NFL fan base based upon Mike LaFleur's offense and what Zach Wilson can mean to that. Running the bootlegs, the nakeds, the zone scheme that goes along with it and his ability to throw outside of the pocket and to change the launch point. That's an area where we know the Jets with their offensive line need that help in order to change the launch point. Zach Wilson provides that opportunity. The exciting thing is where it's all going to really change is with the 49ers at number three. I mean, everybody has them in locked into Mac Jones, but I don't think that that's a given whatsoever. We all know that he comes from the Mike Shanahan, his father. We've heard him say through press conferences, you never want to show your hand but there he is going that week to Mac Jones's pro day. I think there's some things behind the, behind the bench that can happen. Some people are saying Trey Lance. Some people are saying Justin Fields. I think that Justin Fields would be that fit in that offense. If you make the, him force defenses to play 11 on 11 football and the zone read and the downhill running scheme, that fits exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants to run. The Atlanta Falcons at four. This is one of those areas, like you said, is a team going to trade up? in order to get to this spot because we know they're pretty much locked into Matt Ryan for the next two years based upon his salary. And I do think Arthur Blank wants to maintain that stabilization. But with that said, does Arthur Smith see in Trey Lance a Ryan Tannehill, but even better with what he was able to do with him in Tennessee? Or do they go out and say, 
We're going to be an offensive weapon team. We're going to go out with Ridley, with Julio Jones, with Hayden Hurst, and with Kyle Pitts or another dynamic wide receiver. I don't think that happens. I think that Arthur Smith and the Falcons are going to be smart at four, which could change where that quarterback goes. Cincinnati Bengals at five. You better take Penny Sewell with that to protect your blind side and protect Joe Burrow, who absolutely got ravaged with hits, pressure, and sacks last year. If you want to protect your franchise, you do it with a cornerstone at your left tackle spot. Miami Dolphins, I think they go wide receiver all the way. I think that they're building this team around Tua. Detroit Lions, they don't have a number one on the roster at the wide receiver spot. I know that sounds funny when we talk about the Detroit Lions and drafting wide receivers. This is a time they need a wide receiver with Marvin Jones obviously gone and us picking up Kenny Galladay through free agency. Carolina Panthers. I know some people said, well, they just traded for Sam Darnold. Maybe this is a spot for a quarterback. I think that this is where Rashawn Slater from Northwestern, the offensive tackle goes. You want to put Sam Darnold in an area of where he's going to excel and where he's going to feel comfortable in that offense. And Joe Brady's scheme, which we saw Work in the middle of the field, the 5 to 10 to 15-yard passes, the intermediate passing game. They need that protection, and they truly haven't had that blindside player for a long period of time, going back to Jordan Gross. Denver Broncos, this is the one that's very appealing. I don't think they're going into the season thinking that Drew Locke is the answer. So it's going to be interesting to see if they move up from nine, possibly with the Atlanta Falcons at four, or if they stay there. I think that this is a quarterback spot as well. I think that they're very determined, whether it's Justin Fields or Trey Lance, based upon who's available there. Maybe Matt Jones, we don't know. I just think that they're going in with a quarterback in mind for this draft. And John Elway has to get this right before he really steps off into the sunset and not really a part of the Denver Broncos organization. And the Dallas Cowboys, they've got to go defense. I think that's Caleb Farley or Patrick Sertain. So with that said, We're looking at four, maybe five quarterbacks drafted in the top 10. And the big question is, is it worth it? With that said, it's based upon your roster and your football team that you have around him in order to help him grow. Sam Darnold's a perfect example. You can bring in a prospect, but if you don't surround them with the coaching staff, the independent techniques and fundamentals needed to excel at the NFL level, and the support staff within the weapons around them, you're not going to be able to get things done. So as much as people think that a quarterback is going to completely change the dynamic, it changes it some, but you need pieces added to it as well. So Dave, do you think it makes sense for the Giants? And that was a David Deal mock draft, by the way. That was fantastic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> does it make sense, you think, for the Giants in the mid-rounds here to, to pick a developmental quarterback that you can have as a long-term backup? Or maybe, who knows, maybe they develop into something more than that. Or do you think you can just roll with a veteran backup like Mike Glennon and, and let Daniel Jones marinate as a starter? I think that you let Daniel Jones marinate as a starter. We obviously know that he needs to excel and, and have an unbelievable season in 2020. We've seen the weapons that the Giants have surrounded him with and will continue to surround him with. And I think the signing of Mike Glennon was a good signing for the New York Giants. A veteran backup has played a lot of football. He's going to be very good in that quarterback room going through breaking down coverages schemes to help Daniel Jones to develop. So for me, I don't think the Giants need to draft a quarterback in the later rounds. I think this is one is where you're set put with those two players in their spots and build the rest of this roster because we know there are pieces needed. All right, we both don't think this player's dropping to the Giants at 11, but we I think we have to talk about him just because he's such a unique specimen at the position. 
Kyle Pitts, man, you mentioned him possibly going fourth overall, which for a tight end would be unprecedented. No question. But, boy, Dave, you could put him out there next wide receiver. I think that guy's going to be okay. But he's a willing blocker, too, which is kind of what makes him special. Yeah, I mean, you always hear on the defensive side of the ball, you're looking for that matchup nightmare, that matchup nightmare. Well, Kyle Pitts on the offensive side is that matchup nightmare. His size, his speed, his range, his versatility, which allows him to flex at different positions to where you may have him one-on-one, possibly up against a linebacker and a safety. That's a win for you on the offensive side of the ball. So it's going to be very interesting. Do they see him strictly as a tight end based upon the draft, or do they see him as a weapon? Because if it's just strictly tight end and you're going to keep him in between and work the intermediate part of the game, that's where I think, for me, Jamar Chase is the number one guy overall. His ability to catch the football over the top, his ability to stretch the football field vertically – I just think he is such a polished product and a route runner that he would be, for me, the number one guy for pass-catching weapons on the outside. But for tight ends, without a doubt, Kyle Pitts is one of the best prospects we've seen in a very long time. All right, how about the Giants picking a tight end on either day two or day three here, Dave? Because they do have Kyle Rudolph. Evan Ingram's on the last year of his rookie contract, so who knows how much longer he's going to be here. Kyle Rudolph's on the wrong side of 30. So we don't know if that you know, five years from now answers on the roster right now, simply based on the age math and economics and all those sorts of things, contracts, anybody you like on day two, I know Pat Fryermuth is somebody from Penn state that a lot of people like, I think Tommy Tremble out of Notre Dame is a fascinating player who can, I think almost play that Kyle Juszczyk role and do a little fullback, do a little tight end. Who do you like maybe on day two or day three, that could be a good fit for the giants as a long-term tight end. All right, I'm going to the game breakdown notes here. Here we go. Pat Fryermuth, obviously Penn State, big body, 6'5", 251. One area that you have to worry about, Torres Labrum, the interior and exterior of it. And obviously the one thing that he did throughout October because of that happening, he only did drills during his pro day. So you really don't know where his 40 at, where his time is at in that aspect. But great tight end football IQ, knows how to find holes and zones, Gives a quarterback an open target. He sells routes and combinations with his body lean. He's got that head and shoulder break, uh, head and shoulder shake in and out of breaks. He's not scared to go across the middle. Strong hands to grab the ball at the highest point to catch and snatch and secure it. And he'll run off the ball. You see him come off with his pad level and he'll come off. But the thing that he doesn't do footwork wise in the run game, doesn't take consistent angles and doesn't get himself to the second level to where the linebacker is going to be, not where he's at. You've got to anticipate that they're going to run based upon movement. The thing doesn't run through his block. Sometimes he stops his feet when he gets to contact. And sometimes when he stops his feet, he gets out of balance and gets defensive ends, the ability to shuck and pull through and create open space. So for me, I think that he's an intriguing prospect, but for me, like you, Tommy Tremble out of Notre Dame, I think is a sleeper in the draft not only because of his uh, flexibility at tight end, but like you said, his ability to be that H-back, heavy-handed, downhill run blocker, moves defenders in both the zone and power schemes. That's something that you love about him. Notre Dame ran a lot of different run schemes. They ran power. They ran zone. They ran duo. He fit all of those, so he fits any NFL scheme and offense that you're looking to run. Pass pro, good footwork, drops his weight to get in and out of breaks. Pass pro. If you put him at the line of scrimmage, he will punch. He gets his hands inside. He's able to hold off and take on defensive ends. That's that added aspect that you definitely want out of your tight end. 
needs more size and more catch points at the line of for power for here needs to use size more at catch point. He likes the, the power for when he needs to get in and out, but when he doesn't use that power, it's almost like he's at a standstill. You're a power forward that did 20 reps at the bench. Like get into that spot and own your place in that. That's something that you know that when you're a security blanket for a quarterback, you've got to get those openings. And the thing that we all know that when it comes to any of these tight ends, him only being a junior and it was a loaded tight end room in that in that Notre Dame roster, he's got to read coverages better and do a better job at the timing and the understanding of what the route combinations ask for. But I love what he brings to the game of football. I love his nastiness. And he is that two-way type of player that can bring a lot to your offense. Anyone else at tight end really jump out at you, Dave, Dave that, that, that you think is worth mentioning? Well, you know what? You obviously got Brevin Jordan, great body control in traffic, and he is a yards-after-catch monster. You know, he's physical. He drops his pads before contact. He ran a 4.67, but for me, he looks faster on film than a 4.67. He's not scared to mix it up in the run game. He'll push. He'll finish. They've used him as a lead blocker. But at that point, he's not strong enough at the point of attack. He's not somebody that's going to move somebody from point A to point B up against their will. He's more of a zone scheme guy. You've got to get a tackler, another tight end to work with him or work duo concepts in order for him to get really that movement. And his hands use, uh, not only just in the run game, too many body catches, too many into the body instead of being a natural hand catcher and not as polished of of a route runner as Tommy Tremble and obviously as Kyle Pitts. Trey McKitty, top tight end award at the Senior Bowl, obviously the transfer from Florida State to Georgia, question marks. He had his knee scoped and knee surgery, so he didn't work out in his pro day. Not quick twitch or huge burst off of the line of scrimmage, but has speed to work the seam and get over the top on linebackers. One thing that struggles with him in the run game, he drops his head when he goes to tee off when he's got one-on-ones. He gets out of balance. His heads get over his head and shoulders get over his feet and once again gets pulled through. And in regards to his route running, not as athletic and as fluid with his creativity in and out of the breaks. Uh, So he's another guy that people are talking about. So, for me, those are the kind of the guys that, that, you know, I've broke down into the rounds of whether it's second, third, maybe fifth or sixth if the Giants were looking for an additional tight end. But as I said, Tommy Tremble is, is my sleeper for the tight ends. All right, finally, Dave, running back. Obviously, Saquon Barkley mm-hmm. coming back off his injury last year. The expectation he'll be back and good to go. Otherwise, Devontae Booker is the only other guy right now on the roster that has ex- a lot of experience as a backup running back that can do it all. So what – type of running back and then give me some names what running backs do you like here maybe in in the mid rounds maybe early day three something like that that you think could be a good fit to be a backup and potential complement to what Saquon Barkley brings to the field for the Giants and I think this is very important for the Giants to solidify that backfield and to have different different types of threats and different type of body styles that bring a different aspect to the game and we've seen obviously throughout the last two years with Saquon getting injured the way that he did, and we know that he's coming back strong and healthier than ever, but you can't rely on not having that one guy that can be that home home run hitter for you and really be able to fill that void if you need to, not only on first and second down, but more importantly on third down with the type of passing league that we've turned into into the NFL. Michael, Car- Michael Carter, NC. I absolutely love his game tape. Got better every year in college. Led the ACC in yards uh, rushing per game and rush yards total as a senior. 
he's on a mission when he's got the football in his hands. You can see it. He gets determined. He gets downhill. Big playability. 23 plays of 20-plus yards in 2020. Shifty and tough to tackle, not only in the open field, but in holes. You'll see linebackers get wrapped up. They get their feet stuck in the ground. He's able to make a move and get those extra yards. He can hit and fit through any size of NFL run gap. People will be like, well, what do you mean? People say, well, he's only 5'7", 201. You know, well, is that the prototypical size? No, but when you see how small the gaps are in the run game in the NFL and how quickly they close, he has that speed to put his foot in the ground and go north and south and to get those yards in an instant. People have a problem with his size. He's maxed out. Well, he split carries with Javante Williams. Who really is carrying a full workload in the NFL other than Derrick Henry right now? You want guys that come in that have, have other standings of, of not only sitting back and letting developing work between you and another running back, but the fact that he's so diverse in his pass catching skills that he's an integral part of the screen game and talk about versatility. He's also a kick returner. That's something that you also love out of him coming in at the a running back position. Trey Sermon, Ohio state, you know, a lot of people are high on him, natural runner to adjust and cut to holes. He's patient and has vision to press the holes at the line of scrimmage before cutting them. Backside runs and power through contact. Ohio, this is the one thing that you have to think about. Ohio State's scheme. It is all off tackle zone. It is all perimeter running. And it is all zone and duo. So you're looking at everything with zone reads, that outside zone stretch. He doesn't really fit that power game is the one thing that worries me about him. Injuries, back, knee, shoulder, you know, carries by season, 121, 164, 54 when he got injured, and 116. For me, I just don't see that breakaway speed, and I don't see a player that has that speed and that ability to burst when that hole opens and develops. You know, people love his size and what he brought to the national championship game, but even with that said, he's not one of the top guys that I would see in the draft here. Dave, awesome stuff, my friend. Great going through these skill position prospects with you. We'll catch up with you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, John. Limited Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seat starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Hey, Giant fans, get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with the Giants branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to 250 bucks when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants member FDIC. Don't miss it on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. Now we're joined by Sean O'Hara. Shawnee, I'm taking the outside the trenches here, man. It's time to talk about some of the pretty boys out there. Are you ready? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Johnny, I, I, I kind of have different names for them. I call them wide receivers, but uh, I tell you, I, I love my skinny my skinny wide receivers out there that every once in a while come in and, and dig out a safety. So they, they play a big role. Well, Sean, here's the thing I like about this class, though. At the top of this class, I don't think we have any divas. I really don't. Uh, talk about this group at the top that you really like. 
Yeah, I mean, really, this group of receivers, you know, they, they definitely they, they definitely bring a lot to the table, and and you, you don't see up as much of the showmanship as maybe you have in the past with some of the guys. Um, but you know, it, it, when you look at the group, the, the the top three really, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle, they kind of I feel like as you look at everybody's boards and where everybody starts off with those three guys are kind of in a, in a class all their own. Um, Jamar Chase obviously opts out last year, so he doesn't have any game footage from 2020. You go back to 2019, John, and I mean, he, he led the FBS with 20 touchdowns, and he and Joey Burrow were, uh, you know, an unbelievable pitch and catch combination. So uh, just a phenomenal catch radius with this guy. I, I mean, look, you could put the ball anywhere. He's going to make a ridiculous circus catch. Um, he's got great body control with the ball in the air and whether he's got to turn around or jump over somebody or, or make a one hit. Um, there, there are some plays, John, that kind of remind you of a, a, another LSU wide receiver that, that the giants used to have in OBJ. So he reminds me he's of got DeAndre Hopkins too, Sean. He has a lot of DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. man. Whew. Yeah. I, the hands, you know, just kind of like, they're like mitts going up and they just kind of engulf the ball. Um, watching him in his pro day and just kind of running around, I think he, he would look a lot more muscular than I thought he would be. Um, so definitely uh, a much thicker guy um, than, than maybe you, people would even realize. Um, Devontae Smith and, and Jalen Waddell, you know, these two guys, Devontae Smith, when you look at his production, um, you know, I mean, he's, it's phenomenal with, when you look at his numbers and what he, what he's done. I think, you know, when you look at, at the records that he set, he set a, a, a record in the SEC for single yards in a season as well as in, throughout his career. So the production is there. Think about the receivers that have come through Alabama, and yet this guy has, you know, has records there. Uh, 46 career touchdowns, uh, that's an SEC record. So just an unbelievable production. You mentioned the, the, the mindset and the team player. This guy was a two-time captain at Alabama, which – is, is not something that happens very frequently down there. And uh, Nick Saban went on record and said, this kid's the hardest worker uh, on the team. And that's, that's the kind of guy that you're getting with Devontae Smith. I know a lot of people get caught up on the numbers, John, and his size and, you know, that he's 165 pounds, whatever that is. But, you know, that kind of production, you, you, you can't ignore. And I think you have to just look at, man, whoa, how does he still find a way to get it done? And, and he plays so much bigger than his numbers tell you in his frame. Um, and, and John, I, I tell you, he, he's not scared to block. He can't, whether it's asking him to block somebody at the line of scrimmage, whether you're asking him to come in and dig out a safety in an eight man box, um, or whether he's out blocking another corner or safety on a screen to, to, to spring his fellow wide receiver, which he did a couple of times for Henry Ruggs a couple of years ago. Um, you know, he's more than willing to do that. So uh, right out of the gate, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, the production is there. And then you've got Jalen Waddell. Um, Jalen Waddell obviously fractured his ankle last year, so he missed some time. Uh, but I, I think he brings a little something different to the table than Devontae Smith in that he is just unbelievably dangerous after the catch. And if you're a team right now, you're a team like the Giants, uh, looking for some production offensively, you know, any of these guys would give that to you. Jalen Waddle, the thing about him, you know, that that dangerous after the catchability, a lot of that translates to the fact that he's a returner. And so he, there's another feather in his cap 
you get a kid like him and, and he can return kickoffs, he can return punts, he can help you out in special teams as well. Now, based on how the top 10 in this draft is probably going to go, Sean, I'm going to throw Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts, who I know is a tight end, but yeah. in that playmaking category. I'm throwing them out the window here. They're not going to make it to 11. Let's say, though, something weird happens. Maybe, you know, Michael Parsons moves up, five quarterbacks go, a bunch of offensive linemen go, and the Giants actually have both Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle on the board at 11. In terms of the Giants' makeup on the roster, the way Jason Garrett runs his offense, which one of those guys you think would be a better fit with the rest of this Giants wide receiver core? Yeah, it'd be a good problem to have, John, yeah. if, <laughs> if both those guys are sitting there. And you know, while I do think the Giants are okay at wide receiver right now, I, I, I don't think they need to draft a, a receiver in the first round. Um, if those guys are sitting there, I, I don't know how you pass on them. I would definitely be intrigued with Jalen Waddle, And I think – the returnability definitely uh, that hit, that hits home with you. I mean, look, he led the FBS as a punt returner in 2019, um, over 24 yards a return. Uh, I mean, that's that's game changing. That, that that's that's flipping the field. Um, literally every time he he fields a punt. So that aspect is big. I think you know, just looking at the Giants, like, okay, what do we have? Kenny Galladay, you've got your big physical receiver. You've got Sterling Shepard in the slot, who, who's a physical guy. Uh, you've got Darius Slayton, who is your burner and your speed speedster, but you have a guy that can just can take an X now, a quick bubble throw, and make two guys miss and just create that instant offense. I think that's what Jalen Waddle would bring to the table, and, and I, I think the Giants would be extremely excited if he was there at 11. Yeah, they don't have someone you can just dump the ball to on a screen, and then he's going to go gain 70 yards. Not named Saquon Barkley. Barkley can do it, but nobody in the receiver core. Yeah. And, and, and I think, Sean, it's interesting, too, how much of this is dependent, and you talk about need, right, with wide receiver, and I agree, you sign Kenny Galladay, you don't have a gaping hole there that you need to fill, and how much do you take into consideration how you think Joe Judge and Jason Garrett want this offense to look? You know, how do they want it to function? Is it going to be, you know, let's limit Daniel Jones to 25 to 30 passes, and we'll run it 30 to 35 times a game. How do you think they want this offense to look in, in the context of wanting to add another big-time playmaker wide receiver to make things easier on your quarterback? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's a run-first mentality offensively. I don't think they want Daniel Jones throwing the ball 45 times a game. And, and I don't think that's in Daniel's best interest either. And I think he would probably tell you that. Like, he's he's got a great deep ball, I, I think, when, when he's got a chance to set his feet, step into throws, he's as accurate as anybody in the NFL. And I, I do think that with his athletic ability to be able to, to, to build some of those big throws and those big chunks out of play action is huge. And you get him outside of the pocket, you get him working some RPOs. I think that that really all just blends well together. So I, I don't see this offense with Jason Garrett as a, a you know a, a ton of three wide receiver personnel or empty formation run and shoot mindset. Are there times and game situations where you have to do that? Absolutely. But you kind of go back to Jason Garrett in Dallas when they were a highly functioning offense with DeMarco Murray, who led the league in rushing, with Zeke Elliott, who has led the league in rushing. It has been with two and three tight end packages. And ironically, last year, when you look at a lot of the big time play actions and the big passing plays down the field, it was only with two wide receivers on the field. You know, sometimes even one, and it was two man and three man routes. So I really think that's where this play 
uh, design is is structured. And I think from a mindset standpoint, a healthy Saquon Barkley kind of builds everybody else around there. So you definitely need some guys that can create some some space and separation um, and yards after the catch. But, you know, I, I don't get the feeling this is like the Kansas City Chiefs offense where we're going to spread you out and we're going to, you know, open things up by running vertical routes. So then that makes you think maybe wide receiver, not in the first round, but Sean, the good news is that the draft is more than one round. So the Giants can always go back to that position later. And much like each of the last three years worth of receiver classes, it's a pretty deep wide receiver class too. So who are some of the guys that you like maybe on day two that intrigue you? Yeah, it's, it is a deep class. And, you know, I think, man, even in the second round, you get some phenomenal athletes and some guys that, that really have some, some natural ability. Um, you know, one of the guys that, that jumped out at, at me on film was Kadarius Tony, the wide receiver down in Florida. I know Kyle Pitts, their tight end, is getting all kinds of love and everybody's drooling over him and what he can bring to the offense. But if you're watching film on Kyle Pitts, you're going to see this kid number one and you're going to say, who is this guy? I mean, and he's, he was probably one of the toughest tackles in all of college football the last couple of years. And when you see some of the plays that not just the speed that he has once he has the ball in his hand, but his ability to set corners up, whether he's in the slot, whether he's outside, uh, he's got these simple little feints and kind of body gestures that, I mean, he just really shakes himself open um, it's really a skill set, and, and I think he makes he's so smooth with it. Um, look, I mean, I mean, it helps that he ran a four three seven forty. So he, he's he's got electric speed. They used him on jet sweeps. They used him on screens. They used him on play action uh, down in Florida. So I, I think Kadarius Tony, there's a chance he may not get out of the first round, but if he's there in the second round, to your point, uh, he's a guy that I could see them jumping all over. Um, Rondale Moore, the wide receiver out of Purdue, uh, this is another tough kid. And you watch him play with the stiff arm and fighting through tackles, bouncing off of guys. He kind of reminds you of Steve Smith, the wide receiver down in Carolina for a number of years with just kind of this, this ferocious mindset when he catches the ball or when he's fighting for the ball. So uh, he's a very physical guy. I think he blew people away with his personal workout. He ran a 4-3-140, jumped through the roof. Um, this guy's he's really strong. Um, you know, at 5-7, you know, you can call him vertically challenged, but um, he's a guy that, you know, I, I think would be a steal in the second round. And we're going to stick with the same theme. Sean, all about the Lilliputians this year. Who's your sleeper for day three? You know, every year there's a couple of guys that, you know, maybe you end up being a fourth round pick, fifth round pick, sixth round pick. And, you know, they just kind of it's like people are always going to ask after the draft, man, how did that guy make it that far in the draft? And for me, it's, it's Jalen Darden, the, the little wide receiver out of North Texas. I think he's probably the sh shiftiest wide receiver in college football the last couple of years. Um, you know, obviously you look at all the talent that we just talked about, this kid has something that these other guys don't, he can get free in a phone booth, John. I mean, this guy with the defenders literally right there trying to grab him, like he would be a star in flag football. You know, you, you wouldn't be able to, to, to touch the flag, let alone tackle the guy. So you just watch what he's able to do. Even in limited space, he's got unbelievable cuts, his shiftiness, um, his acceleration, he had one of the fastest 10-yard 
dashes. And everybody, I know we all focus on the 40. His 10-yard split was either, if not the second fastest, it was the thir- second or third fastest in this entire receiving group. So his acceleration, his burst is phenomenal. Um, he set a record at North Texas for receiving yards. And, you know, I love the kids motivated. He, he, he plays tough, too. Uh, so I think for the Giants, that, that could end up being a really cool pickup. Um, it's kind of like the signing that they had this offseason with John Ross, um, the Cincinnati Bengal wide receiver, who was phenomenal at Washington, did everything, was ridiculous after the catch. His only knock was he just he's never been healthy. Since he showed up at, in Cincinnati, he was banged up from the rookie his rookie year to his last year. And, um, you know, I, I look at Jalen Darden and – I see some similar qualities there. So he could be somebody that, that man, I tell you what, Giants fans would, he would be that instant legend in training camp, John. You know, oh, every, yeah. every year you go out there and somebody wows the crowd. You know, hopefully we, we have a crowd this year in training camp, but uh, he would become an instant legend in training camp. Yeah, you mentioned his explosiveness and his uh, short area quickness, a six six seven three cone drill, which I think is in the 96th percentile of all wide yeah. receivers in the last 35 years. So, yeah, needless to say, the guy's elusive. And much like you mentioned with Jalen Waddell, he's a return man too. So you want to use him on special teams, a little punt return action? Very, very difficult to catch. Sean, great stuff on the wideouts, my friend. We appreciate it as always. Thanks, Johnny. That's another preview heading into the draft, which is coming up next week. For David Deal and Sean O'Hara, I am John Schmelke. As a reminder, the Giants Auto Podcast is part of the Giants Podcast Network, presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of this show and all of our shows at Giants.com slash podcast on the Giants mobile app and all your favorite podcast platforms, including Big Blue Kickoff Live, our daily show every weekday at noon, where we've been talking draft and NFL and Giants for almost 10 years now. For the guys, I'm Schmelk. We'll see you next time on the Giants Huddle.